that day. What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see when I look upon his face. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. If you are, come on one more time. I just think God is worthy of our praise. Amen. I think we need to daily remind ourselves and remind God that we're looking forward to that day. Amen. We need to let God know that we got our hearts set towards heaven and we're looking forward to him coming back. Because when we do that, church, it just reminds him and lets him know that this world doesn't mean as much to us as sometimes we think it does. Amen. So I'm looking forward to that day. I thank all of you for being here this evening. Uh, choosing the better portion to just sit and listen to the words of the Lord and let them just find a place in your heart that can strengthen you, challenge you, and make us more like Jesus Christ. Amen. Continuing our series this evening on the rebuilding of the gates. Tonight we're going to finally begin to look at the individual gates that surrounded the city. But before we do that, before we get to the sheep gate, we're going to go ahead and pray one more time. Ask God's anointing. Father God, we thank you that you are in this place this evening. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your power, for your anointing and your Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would guide me and lead me and direct me this evening. And that you would do the same with your people. We come against every hindering spirit, every distracting spirit, every fear, every concern, every worry. Anything that would God just try to come and snatch away your seeds of salvation. I pray that you would open up the soil of our soul, God, that we might receive your word and that it would find a place to grow. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Like I said tonight, we're finally going to begin to look at the individual gates that surrounded the city. And starting at the northeast corner of the city, we will find the sheep gate. If you have the handout from last week, it's got a little diagram of the walls. If you don't have one, you want to make, there, there's some actually in the back. You don't have to have them. But I've got a lot of material that I've got to try to squeeze in in a shorter period of time tonight. A lot of slides, a lot of scripture, a lot of different notes. I encourage you, if you have a pencil and paper, write some things down so you can go back at them and use them to rebuild your walls and rebuild your lives. But tonight, we're starting at the northeast corner of the city and we find the sheep gate. It is the first of the priority gates that I have listed on that sheet of paper, meaning that this gate must be the number one priority in our lives. It is the first of the priority gates, which means it must be number one priority in our lives. I want you to remember in order for us to find spiritual safety, in order for us to find spiritual security, in order for us to find salvation uh, and, and safety from our enemies, our priorities must be in order. And the first priority in this spiritual restoration process or in rebuilding our relationship with God is the sheep gate. And I'm going to let you know what the sheep gate is as we go, give you some detail. But as always, I really have to have to finish where I left last week to lead you into this gate and the meaning of the gate and, and why we actually have this gate. But last week. We looked at the master plan for our lives, the master plan for our spiritual restoration, the master plan that Nehemiah outlines as our way back to God. You see, Nehemiah, the whole book of Nehemiah really talks about a restoration process of his people, meaning you and me, not just the Jews, not just the children of Israel, but you and I as well. And, and it outlines the master plan for our restoration with God, how we can restore fellowship with God, how we can restore our relationship with God. It really outlines our way back to God. And the reality is, as you know, when sin entered into the world, it broke our relationship with God. When sin entered into the world, it broke our fellowship with God. When sin entered into the world, it, 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 it attacked and, and destroyed our intimacy with God. And this study is all about how we can restore that right relationship with God. Uh, the reality is when sin came into the world, it caused Adam and Eve to hide themselves from God. And because of their sin, church, they were put out of the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, we know that it broke fellowship with God. We know that it broke intimacy with God. We know that it broke communion with God. And it ended up, sin ended up putting them out of the garden. Here's what you and I have to remember. At one moment, 
in their life. In one moment in Adam and Eve's life, they were truly in need of nothing. They were in pure uh, communion with God, pure fellowship with God, unadulterated relationship with God. But in another moment, in an instant church, in a moment of weakness, in an instant in their life, they allowed sin to come into their life. Listen, that's how powerful it is. In a moment, in an instant, just like that, sin can rob from you communion with God and blessing with God and fellowship with God. It's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. In a moment of weakness, they allowed sin to come in and it destroyed fellowship with God. It made them church. It took them from being in need of nothing. And in another moment, they found themselves naked. They found themselves wretched. They found themselves pitiful. They hid from one another and they hid from God because sin so stained and ruined their life and fellowship with the Father. Because that's the power of sin. We've already learned that it steals, robs, destroys everything precious to us. Not just the children of Israel, but us as well. Now, in order to cover their nakedness, I'm going to do a lot of teaching, but I'm going to try to keep it going and keep it exciting, too. But in order to cover their nakedness, this all has to do with the sheep gate. I promise it's all coming together. You're going to get an understanding of everything that I'm teaching. But in order to cover their nakedness, in order to cover their pitiful, wretched condition, Genesis 3.21 tells us that God killed one of his own creation. He killed a bull and he covered Adam and Eve in its skin. This was the first sacrifice that was recorded in Scripture. This was the first form of bloodshed that was recorded in Scripture. It was shed by God in order to cover the sin, in order to cover the nakedness, in order to cover the wretchedness of Adam and Eve. Here's what I want you to understand. It, it, it was shed in order to make them presentable to God. The Bible says that he covered them in the skin and made them presentable to God. Remember, Adam and Eve tried to fashion their own covering. If you read through scripture, you'll see that Adam and Eve fashioned for themselves, the Bible says. They took some live fig leaves and they fashioned for themselves a covering. But that covering wasn't good enough. That covering, the, the, the effort that they made, the, the, the deeds that they did. Here, you understand what I'm saying? They tried to design their own covering that would make them acceptable to God, but it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't good enough. So what did God have to do? God had to reach down. God had to provide a sacrifice. God had to provide a covering because what Adam and Eve were uh, were able to do in their own strength wasn't enough. Listen, the, the, the truth and the reality is you cannot design your own covering. You cannot design any kind of facade. You can't design by works or deeds or by anything else, anything that will that you can put upon you that will make you presentable to God. There's nothing you and I can do that will allow us to stand blameless before God with great joy. Nothing, no works, no deed. Why? Because all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. No matter how much effort you put into it, no matter how much work you put into it, no matter how righteous you seem to stand before men, none of our good works will, are good enough to stand before God. This is exactly one of the reasons why God had to create a sacrifice system. So that there would be a way that the people could could once again uh, at least be presentable to God or come into fellowship with God or to have their sins covered, church. In order to make the people presentable to God, in order to cover their sins, listen, not cleanse them from their sins. Here's the reality. Even that covering, even the sacrifices and the offerings that were made back then were not enough to, to wash away their sins. They were simply enough to cover their sins. So this is what had happened. They covered their sins through sacrifices and offerings just like with Adam and just like with Eve. God instituted the practice of sacrifices and offerings through the law of Moses. But here's another scripture. 
Since Hebrews 10.4 tells us that the blood of animals was not enough to take away the sins. It was not enough to wash away the sins. Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins of man. What that tells me, church, is that even in the midst of this sacrifice system, every time they offered a bull, every time they offered a goat, every time they offered a turtle dove, every time they sprinkled salt, no matter what they did, in all reality, it still wasn't enough to please God. It still wasn't enough. It wasn't acceptable enough to God. And the reality goes the same way. It doesn't matter what sacrifice you make. It doesn't matter what offering you bring before God. It doesn't matter what what service you do for the kingdom of God. It all starts at the sheep gate, which we're looking at. Nothing we can do ourselves can make us presentable to God. The only way that we can that, that we can be presented to God is first by going through the sheep gate. And you're going to learn what that is all about as we go. But it was not enough to satisfy God. That's why they had to sacrifice over and over and over and over and over again. Because those sacrifices that they brought were not enough to cleanse their sins. Just covered their sins in its blood. The truth is God knew all along that there would have to be a sacrifice that once and for all would wash away their sins. God himself knew that there would have to be a sacrifice that once and for all would satisfy himself. A sacrifice that would be able to wash away the worst of sins. A sacrifice that would do more than cover sins, but actually remove sins. God understood that there needed to be a sacrifice, church, that was pure enough and powerful enough to separate us from darkness and separate us from the stains of sin. A, a, a sacrifice that was powerful and pure enough to take sins which were like crimson, the Bible says, and wash them white as snow. There is no blood. There is no sacrifice. There is nothing we can muster up that has that power except the blood of Jesus Christ. Accept the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care how fancy you dress. I don't care how, how, how self-righteous you think you are. The only thing that will cause us to stand blameless before God is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is what the sheep gate is all about. It's all about the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's what we, it's where we must start at the northeast corner of the city at this gate called the sheep gate. We all know what that sacrifice was. It was Jesus Christ. When you read through the books of Hebrews, you'll discover that all of the animal sacrifices that are mentioned were nothing more than substitutes for the real sacrifice which was to come. You see, the reality is Revelations 13, 8 reminds us that there was a sacrifice, that there was a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth before time ever existed, before one second on a clock actually took place. There was part of God's master plan was a sacrifice that was laid out before the foundation of the earth, before you and I ever came on the scene, before we ever breathed one breath, before we ever committed one sin, God already made a way for those sins to be washed away. Amen. And I, I hope that through this, I'm excited about this, and I hope that you understand how excited we should be that God has made a way back into His presence. I think the more you begin to understand how how putrid sin is and how and how wicked sin is and and how grievous sin is to God, the more you appreciate the blood of Jesus Christ, the more you and I appreciate the sacrifice that God and Christ made on our behalf. This is why we need to examine ourselves on a regular basis and begin to look and understand. God, I thank you for that sacrifice. I thank you for that blood. And that's got to always continually be on my lips. You see, the reality is there had to be a sacrifice that could wash away the sins of past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. You see, the sacrifices that were made back then, they could only wash away the sin of then. They couldn't reach back in time. They couldn't reach back into the past and forgive. It wasn't enough to wash away your past. 
But the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to wash away years and centuries of sin that is built up in your life and my life. It's never too late to let the blood of Christ wash away your sins. This is how powerful and precious it is. The the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to forgive the sin you committed yesterday, the sin that you've committed today, and the sins you're going to commit next week. It's that powerful and that precious. That's not to say that we're to take advantage of that grace. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, Jesus said. We're, We're to consider that blood precious. And the more precious that blood becomes to us, the less likely we are to trample upon it. The less likely we are to abuse it. The less likely we are, church, to misunderstand it. The the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to wash away all sins. Amen. From the time of Adam until the time of Christ, sacrifices and offerings were the prescribed way for people to stay in right relationship with God. It was the prescribed way that they were to demonstrate their devotion to God and their love to God and their appreciation for God. It was how, it was how they would at least cover their sins and make them acceptable to God. But the truth is God knew that man could not keep the law. God himself knew that if we were to live by the law, that we would die by the law. You see, there's a lot of individuals out there that are trying to live by every single piece of the law in here. And if they do, they're going to die by the law. The only way that you and I are going to live is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The only way that you and I are going to succeed in our Christian walk, in our Christian living. The only way you and I are ever going to see the Father. The only way that you and I are ever going to stand blameless before God with great joy is not by the law. It is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because I don't care how righteous you are, you can't keep the law. God knew that. God knew that. That's why he instituted the sacrifice system, because he knew they could not keep the law. And he knew that we can't keep it either. And he knew that we couldn't just keep on sacrificing lamb after lamb after lamb. Listen, I'm not trying to get too theological here, but the only reason that God implemented the sacrifice system was so that you and I and all of history, all of those that were and all of those that are to come would understand the importance of Christ's sacrifice and the meaning of Christ's sacrifice. If they had no clue what the sacrifice system was about, they wouldn't have appreciated the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Neither would have we. This wasn't this wasn't like Jesus was making this thing up as he went. Well, that didn't work. So I'll do this and that didn't work. So I'll try that. The Bible tells us that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the earth before the sacrifice system was ever implemented. He knew he was going to have to send his son, but he had to pave the way so that we could understand and appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus made. I appreciate what Jesus did for me, and I appreciate that God ordered it in such a way that I can understand what Jesus did. We've got to understand, church, that there is only one way to God, and it is through the sheep gate. It is through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. No man could keep the law. Christ became the ultimate sacrifice of our sins. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. I'm paraphrasing, but it tells us that just as sin entered into the world through one man... Through one man, our sins were washed away as well. Condemnation came through Adam. Salvation came through Christ. Condemnation came through Adam and it touched every single man. Adam's sin, listen, it's the power of sin. The sin of one man has has polluted all of our lives. It's polluted all of our lives. It's touched every life that was, is, and is to come. That's the power of sin, but the power of God's blood, like I said. It had to have the ability. One man's blood had to have the ability to go back and touch those who were, are, and are still to come. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's what you need to understand. Listen, I'm not saying that the blood of Jesus Christ just just automatically allows everybody to go to heaven. But every individual, listen to me, every individual that ever believed in God and was devoted to God and practiced this sacrifice system, Jesus' blood went back 
and made them whole. Jesus' blood went back and covered, not just, uh, not covered, washed away those sins. You see, the reality was every sin before Christ was only covered. The blood had to be powerful enough to go back and wash it away. This is the power of His blood, and He's going to do the same thing for your children and your children's children. That's why they need to understand everything they can about the sheep gate. They need to understand the value of Christ's sacrifice. So that one day, when they stand at that gate, they're willing to walk through the sheep gate and come into an intimate, personal relationship with Christ. So one day, they will recognize their sin and have hope that there is a blood and a sacrifice that can wash it all away. This is the reality of what the Sheep Gate is all about. It's where we must start at the northeast corner of the city. The truth is, just like the power of sin came from one man and touched everyone, the power of God's grace came through one man and touched every life as well. And that one man, that one sacrifice was fully pleasing to God. And it was Jesus Christ. The one sacrifice that did far more than just cover over our sins was the pure and spotless Lamb of God that was able to wash away or take away our sins. Again, I hope you understand the power of His blood. In John 1.29, it says, When John the Baptist was preaching repentance in the wilderness, it says he saw Jesus coming toward him. And the first thing that he cried out was, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He didn't say, Behold, a sacrifice that covers your sin. He said, Behold, here comes the Lamb of God. Here is the one that Isaiah prophesied about. Here is the one that would be led to the slaughter. Here is the one that can wash away your sins and make your life whole. Behold, the Lamb of God who is able to wash away the sins of man. You see, the reality is the world is filled with individuals who have yet to behold the Lamb. Even back then, there were individuals that they surrounded Jesus. They, they walked past Jesus. Some have even bumped into Jesus. But they did not recognize Him as the Lamb of God. The Jews didn't recognize him even as the Lamb of God. And that's why they hung him on the cross. And we do the same exact thing today. He's come to save us from our sins, church. He's, came, he's come as the precious Lamb of God to take away everything that has separated us from God. And we need to thank God every day for that sacrifice and that offering that was made on our behalf. Amen. The reality is, even before the Old Testament law, we have a foreshadowing of this sacrifice. We have a foreshadowing of the the shedding of of this blood. We have a foreshadowing of of the Lamb of God and and the, 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 the the foreshadowing of Christ. And if you know the story, it's in Genesis chapter 22. It's when Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. It's where he was asked to sacrifice the the son that was promised to him. The son that he had to wait for and tarry for. And it's, it's the only son that he had according to Genesis chapter 22 verse 2. It was his only son. Just like God had an only son. And I want you to understand the parallel. But in this story, Abraham was asked by God to offer his son to put him on an altar to bind him up like a lamb and offer him to God. And in this story, we read that Isaac asks his father Abraham, who was obeying God and was preparing for the sacrifice, even though he had turmoil in his soul, even though he had turmoil in his heart, he was going to obey God anyway. He was going to bring something of value to God. God asked him to do something, and Abraham was willing to do it. And the reality is, in this story, Isaac asks his father, where is the lamb For the burnt offering. Where is the lamb for this sacrifice that you're preparing for, Father? You see, the reality is they had the wood. When you read the story, they had the anointing oil. They had the things that they would sprinkle upon the altar. They had the knife that would 
slice the sacrifice or cut his son in two. They had the fire that would bring about, that would light the, the wood and, and consume the sacrifice. They had it all. But as Isaac looked around, he saw that everything was ready. But where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? He didn't realize that he was the sacrifice. He didn't realize that he was the one that was going to be laid upon the altar. He didn't realize that he was the one that the knife was going to go through, whose life was going to be ended, and that he was the one that was going to be presented to God. He didn't know that. So he said, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And if you know the story, it's exactly here where Mo, or, or where Abraham responds to his son and he says, God will provide for us a lamb, Isaac. God will provide for himself a lamb. God will provide for himself a lamb. Because no matter what we do isn't enough. So God had to provide for himself a lamb. It is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. You and I can't do enough to please God. So God himself had to provide a lamb. Do you understand this, church? Do you grasp it? God loves us so much that he had to sacrifice his own son. To bring us into right relationship with him. You see what Abraham was telling his son was that God will step in and provide exactly what we need Isaac. He is going to provide. And you know the story as they were climbing up one side of the mountain. A ram was going up the other. As he was going up one side of the mountain, the sacrifice that would take his place to substitute for his son was going up the other side of the mountain. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? While we were living our life in sin, God was already preparing a sacrifice for us. As we were walking up the hill of sin on the other side of the hill called Golgotha Church, God provided a lamb. He didn't only provide a lamb for Abraham. He provided 2,000 years ago. He provided a lamb for you and me to wash away our sins and take away our sins. Not just cover up our sins, but to take away our sins forever. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to separate our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He drowned our sins in the depths of his blood, never to be remembered again. Never to be remembered again. This is the power of Christ's sacrifice. This is what the sheep gate is all about. It's about the Lamb of God. He walked through that gate himself. We're going to look at what walking through that gate means. And I still have time, so I'm not rushing, but we still have time. The reality is, listen, no one can find restoration with the Father except through Jesus Christ. Just like God provided a lamb to take Isaac's place on the altar, He provided a lamb that took our place as well. You see, we're the ones that should have been on that altar. We're the ones that should have been on the cross instead of Jesus. Do you see the parallel? But God stepped in and gave us a substitute. He was the propitiation for our sins. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, not his There was no spot or wrinkle in him. He was a pure and spotless lamb. Even Pilate said, in him I find no fault. There's no, there's no fault in him. He was the pure and spotless lamb. The only sacrifice that would be pleasing to God. God provided himself a lamb. God provided himself a lamb. I mean, I hope you grasp that church. He didn't have to do it. He didn't, he did it for you and me. He didn't have to send his son down to earth. He had fellowship with his son. He had union and communion with his son. But because he didn't have communion with us, because fellowship with us was broken, he asked his son Christ to be separated for a moment in time. Come, come, put, put their sin upon you, Jesus. Separate yourself from me for a moment, Jesus, so that we can all be united together. This is the power of the sacrifice. This is what the sheep gate is all about. So often we don't hear about the blood. So often we don't hear about the great, awesome sacrifice that was made on our behalf. 
So often we don't hear about the sheep gate and what it means. And so often we're reluctant to walk through it. The sheep gate is about walking into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The sheep gate is all about offering ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. You see, look, Jesus isn't asking you to go anywhere that he hasn't already gone. Jesus was the first one through the sheep gate. Jesus was the first one to the slaughter. Jesus was the first one to be sacrificed. Jesus was the first one to deny himself. Jesus was the first one to go to the cross. And that's why he can ask us to do the same. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Follow me through the sheep gate. Follow me through all these other gates that we're going to look at over the weeks as we go through them. But listen, it starts at the northeast corner of the city. It starts at the sheep gate. It all starts here. Nehemiah 3.1 says this. Then Eliashib, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They sanctified it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. And I know I don't want to get too teachy on you, but I'm going to break some of this down as we go. The reality is this was the first gate and section of the wall to be built. And what you need to understand and what I need to understand that there was no other work done, no other work done until this gate and this wall was established. They didn't lay any bricks anywhere else. They didn't lift up any gates anywhere else. They didn't start any restoration anywhere else in the city until this section of the wall and this gate was hung. The reality is... We can't try building any other area of our life until we build a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't worry about any other area of our life until we build that wall, that build that wall and that gate that gives us access to Jesus Christ. Because nothing else you do, nothing else you spend your time on, nothing else you spend your money on, nothing else you spend your talents on will succeed unless it is built upon Jesus Christ. None of those other gates mean anything unless you're willing to walk through the sheep gate. Just like Jesus walked through the sheep gate. It was the first section of the wall to be built. And listen, once they built it, once the the priests built it, they sanctified it. They consecrated it unto the Lord. They set it apart, church, as holy unto God. This is what sanctified means. This is what consecrated means. It means set apart for God's glory. It means set apart for God's holy use. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. They sanctified it. They set it apart for God's holy use. And when you and I walk through the sheep gate, we've got to do the same thing. You see, there has to come a point in our life. And that's when we come into communion with God. And when we come into a relationship with God, we can't do what we want. We can't have it our way. Like I joke with these guys over here, you know, Burger King, they all remember that when you can't have it your way. But the reality is when you and I walk through the sheep gate, we got to be prepared to offer ourselves to God, a living sacrifice. We better be willing to offer our will and our ways and our dreams and our hopes and all of our wants. We better be willing to put them aside, to sacrifice them for the sake of the cross, to sacrifice them for the sake of God's will in our life. You see, this is the reality of the sheep gate church. When we, when we walk through that gate, we've got to be prepared. The blood of Jesus Christ washes us. It makes us whole, but we've got to be willing to consecrate ourselves unto God. We've got to be willing to set ourselves apart for God's holy use in the life that we live after we walk through that gate. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? You can't walk through the sheep gate and then say, I'm going to live however I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to say whatever I want. I'm going to date whoever I want. I'm going to drink whatever I want and smoke whatever I want and go wherever I want. When you walk through the sheep gate, you are saying, I now belong to Jesus Christ. And everything that I do will be done to glorify the Father. Everything that I do, church, will be for God's holy use. This is what it means to walk through the sheep gate. It means that we've got to be willing to sacrifice ourselves just like Christ was willing to sacrifice his. But listen, this passage says more than even that. 
What the priests were demonstrating is that God's master plan for every one of us begins with Jesus Christ. This passage reminds us that our spiritual home must be built upon Jesus Christ. It means that Jesus Christ must be the rock of our salvation. It means that he must be the cornerstone of our faith. Listen, Jesus was the rock. He was the the stone that the builders rejected. But he must become the stone that we stand upon. Because everything else is sinking sand. If you're not standing on Jesus Christ, if you're not standing on his blood, if you're not standing on his sacrifice, you're standing on sinking sand. If your life is not grounded upon Jesus Christ, your life is on sinking sand. And when the winds blow and the rain comes down and trials come your way and temptation comes your way, you will be washed away, swept away. You'll be consumed in an undertow that will turn your life upside down and inside out and backwards and forwards. Because you're not grounded on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because all you wanted to do was knock on the gate instead of walk through the gate. You see, the reality is there comes a time when we've got to stop knocking on the door and start walking through the door. You see, we we come to church once a week, we knock on the door and we say, hey, what's up, God? And then we turn our back and we walk off. You see, we come to church once a week, we knock on the gate and we want donations from the Father instead of walking through the gate and offering ourselves to God. You see, this is what the sheep gate is all about. You see, God, Jesus already offered everything he had. He offered his son. His only begotten Son. He shed His precious blood. He gave us everything we need. And now it's time we start giving back. You see, so many, like I said, we've got to stop knocking on the gate. And we've got to be prepared to walk through the gate. You see, a lot of my life, I, that's all I did. I knocked on the gate. Hey, Jesus, what's up? Hey, God, I need this today. Hey, God, I could use that today. You got a donation for me? You got a, you got a handout for me? And all along, God was saying, will you walk through the gate, Jeff? Will you come through the blood? Will you allow me to wash over you? Will you allow me to cleanse you? Will you allow me to change you? Will you allow me to draw you in? Will you, will you allow yourself to, to be consecrated unto me and consecrated unto my will? Will you allow me to use you for my purpose? Will you allow me to use you for my holy work? Will you allow me to use you to, to, to save the lost? Will you allow me to use you as a light? And will you allow me to use you as salt? Or do you just want something from me? You see, the reality is Christianity has nothing to do with knocking on the door. It has everything to do with walking through the door, offering ourselves to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to walk through that gate, to have the courage to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to come into our lives and then to have the courage to give it all to God. And allow him to use us however he wants to use us, church. Listen, the first thing that was built and blessed was the sheep gate. It wasn't the gate of good works. It wasn't the gate of big giving. It wasn't the gate of counseling or religion or denomination. There is no other gate that's going to get you to God except Jesus Christ. Understand, you can give a million dollars to the kingdom of God and still go to hell. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? You can work, 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 serve, 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 and still go to hell. You can put on a three-piece suit, carry a big fat Bible, and still go to hell. Because if you are not in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, washed in the blood of the Lamb, you're not going to see the Father. This isn't game time, church. You need to understand the only way I'm going to stand before the Father is if I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Washed. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if you got the guts to walk through the sheep gate. Understand the sheep gate is where people brought their sacrifices. They brought their sacrifices through the sheep gate. They brought their offerings through the sheep gate. This is what you and I need to understand. Is that when we come to Christ, we got to be prepared to offer ourselves. When we come to Jesus Christ, we've got to be willing to sacrifice ourselves. It's what, it's what salvation is all about, church. Through the gate, through this gate, through the sheep gate, 
the flesh of the sacrifice would soon be consumed. It would come in alive. But the flesh would soon be consumed upon the altar of God. And this is what has to happen to us when we walk through the sheep gate. We've got to be willing to say, okay, God, consume my flesh. Consume it. Take it away. Consume my flesh so that the only thing left is the Spirit of God in my life. This is what it means to walk through the sheep gate. Listen, when you walk through the sheep gate, all of its wills, the sheep, when it went through, its will, its wants, its ways. I'm sure that sheep was kicking. I'm sure that, key, that, that sheep was screaming. I'm sure that sheep might not have wanted to go that way. But when the sheep walked through that gate, it meant that it would soon be consumed. Through this gate, the sacrifice would soon lose its life, church. And we've got to be willing to do the same. The Bible says he who wants to save his life has to what? Has to lose their life. Every single day, we've got to lose our life to Christ. Every single day, we've got to lose our life to God. Every single day, we've got to give up more of our will, more of our wants, more of our ways to Jesus Christ. That's how we come into a right relationship with God. This is how we find restored fellowship. This is how we have intimate communion. This is how we have personal intimacy with Jesus Christ, by surrendering more of ourselves, by allowing God to consume our flesh, church. The reality is, anyone who enters this gate must be willing to do the same. It means selfless devotion to God when you and I walk through the sheep gate. It's not an easy process, church. Listen, salvation is made available to everybody, but not everyone's going to be saved. The reality is salvation is a serious thing. Salvation, look, count the cost before you start to build. The reality is salvation takes some sacrifice from you and me. Salvation not only cost Jesus Christ, there are some prices we have to pay as well. And this is all part of going through the, 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 the sheep gate. You see, when we choose to enter the sheep gate, when we choose to come into a relationship with Christ, we too are to present ourselves to God a living sacrifice. When we enter through the sheep gate, it's completely voluntary. It's voluntary, church. Listen, God doesn't force us through the sheep gate. God doesn't drive us or push us through the sheep gate. He leads us. He leads us, church. And this is what we have to understand, that all of this is voluntary. All of this is our choice. It's our decision to come into right relationship with God or not. He's not going to force you. He's not going to whip you. He's not going to kick you into the fold. He hopes that you follow, that you follow His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen. Jesus went before us. Like I said, Jesus had already been there. Jesus already sacrificed. Jesus already shed his blood. Jesus already laid down his life. Jesus already denied himself. Jesus already carried his cross. And if we're going to go through the sheep gate, we've got to do the very same thing. Amen. Nehemiah 3. I'm going to start winding this down. We have to remember the words of Isaiah when we read, when we read Nehemiah 3. We have to remember the words of Isaiah in chapter 53, 6 that says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own ways. All of us. Every single individual that was, is born is lost. All of mankind is lost. All of mankind, including you and I, at some point in our life was walking in darkness, lost in sin. And we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all need the blood of Jesus Christ. We all need to walk through the sheep gate. We all need salvation. We all need to come into a right relationship with God if we want to end up with the Father. You understand what I'm saying? The truth is the only way back to the fold. You see, we all like sheep have gone astray. You know what that means? It means we left the fold. It means we left God's flock. It means something distracted us, something wooed us, something uh, uh, seduced us, something caused us to go astray. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and the only way back to the fold is through the sheep gate. It's where they're brought back in, through the sheep gate. The only way back to the Father is through Jesus Christ, His Son. Jesus is the sheep gate, church. This is what I'm trying to teach you. All of us have fallen short, and we all need to come back. One of the things we need to look at in just the last couple of minutes that I've got here... Like I said, everything in Scripture has a meaning. And when you read through this, it talks about the, that the, the wall was, uh, it was sanctified from the Tower of the 100 to the Tower of Hananel. The Tower of the 100, 100 what? 100 sheep. 
This is what the Tower of 100 represented. It represented 100 sheep. And the fact is, Jesus himself taught a lesson and he said, if one of my sheep go astray, what will he do? He'll leave the 99 to go find the one and bring him back home. You see, to Jesus, the true flock is 100. And he said, if even one of them walks away, I'm going to leave the 99 and I'm going to go find the 100. That tower of 100 represents Christ's flock. It represents God's flock. It represents God's people. And the reality is he'll do whatever he has to do to make sure everyone comes into the fold. Will everyone make it there? No. But he will do everything that he can to ensure that his sheep are in his flock. Enough so, the Bible says. He loved his sheep so much that he what? That he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever would believeth in him should have everlasting life. Wouldn't die, but he would be part of the flock and part of the fold. This is what the sheep gate is all about. It it, it is all about Jesus Christ. And if you want to be part of that flock, if you want to be part of that fold, you've got to come through Jesus Christ. If you want to be counted in the 100, if you want to be counted among his people, you've got to come through the sheep gate. Listen, here's the verse that I close with. I know that I'm, I've got to skip over some stuff. But John 10.1, I'm closing here. John 10.1, Jesus says, truly, I tell all of you with certainty. Truly, I'm not telling a lie, Jesus said, and I'm telling you with all certainty. There's no doubt in my mind. There's never doubt in Jesus' mind. But he says it this way so we can understand what he's saying. I tell you with all certainty, the person who does not enter the sheepfold through the sheep gate, the individual that does not enter the sheepfold through Jesus Christ, through my sacrifice, through my blood. This is what Jesus was saying. If they do not enter the sheepfold through the sheep gate, but they climb in by some other way, that individual is a thief and a bandit, a robber and a crook trying to steal the blessings of God, trying to sneak their way into heaven. The reality is there's a lot of individuals trying to sneak their way into heaven. A lot of individuals come into the house of God that are trying to rob and steal the blessings of God. They're trying to bypass Jesus. There's a whole lot of individuals in society that are trying to bypass Jesus. And the reality is there's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. One way. One way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. There's a lot of false doctrines out there. There are a lot of doctrines of demons that are out there. Put up that one slide that has the images on there. I just want to show you real quick in the last few moments... The doctrines of demons are anything that in, the doctrines of demons, the Bible says in the last days, there will be doctrines of demons. People will flee the truth. They'll flee. They'll flee from hearing the truth and they'll flee from speaking the truth. And they'll they'll heed and cling to demons of doctrines. One of the demons of doctrines that are out there real quick. You've probably seen these these uh, bumper stickers. The coexist and it, it, it covers the first one is Islam. The second one is Buddhism, then science and Judaism, paganism, Wyakin, which is Wiccan, witchcraft and warlocks. And the last one is Christianity. This is a modern day doctrine of demon. And what this doctrine tries to tell us is that all religions should be equal. What this tries to tell us is that the, that, that Islam and Buddhism and science and Judaism and paganism and Wiccanism is equal to Christianity. It's a lie right out of the pit of hell. The reality is there is no one equal to Jesus. No one else paid the price. No one else shed his blood. No one else went to the grave and rose up three days later with the keys of the kingdom in their hand. No one else is like our Lord. No one is holy like our God. And this doctrine of demons is trying to deceive the world to say that all of them are equal and that they should all come together and be in harmony. That's hogwash and a lie. And the thing that you need to recognize about this is the people that did it, look where they put Christ at the end. They put him at the end of the line. Even though they want us to be equal, the doctrines of demons still won't recognize Christ as the head. They put him at the feet and they trampled on him just like they did. But listen to me. The word of God says that the one that is least shall be first. And we want to understand that because he was trampled under by men, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father with a name that is above every name. That name which one day is spoken, Islam will bow and Buddhas will bow. Science will bow. All of earth will bow at the name of Jesus Christ because no one is equal to our God. Amen. Can we bless the Lord for that church?
This is what it means. This is what the sheep gate is all about. The sheep gate distinguished and separated Jesus Christ from every other God. From everyone that ever came before him and everyone that will ever come after him. There is no one like Jesus Christ. So my question tonight, the Holy Spirit question tonight is, how many of you are willing to walk through that sheep gate like Jesus did and offer yourselves to God as a living sacrifice? How many of you are willing to walk in the footsteps of God and say, with your strength, with your might, with your spirit, I will sacrifice my flesh and I'll offer myself to you. If that's you, stand with me and receive the the blood of Jesus Christ upon your life. Listen, if you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you feel lost, if you feel like you're out there wandering away, if you feel like you're not part of the flock, I want you to know that the precious blood of Jesus can bring you in, can bring you home. We're going to pray a prayer, and if that's you, if you want to be part of the flock, if you're not part of the fold, and you want to accept Jesus into your life, I'm here after the service. I'll pray with you. I'll anoint you. I'll give you whatever you need, but all of us are going to pray together. God, I'm walking through the sheep gate. Consume me. Take me. I'm yours. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you for the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, above everything else, I thank you that there is no one holy like our God. There is no one that was ever like you, is like you, or will ever be like you. No one like Jesus, God. And I thank you that because of his sacrifice, because he was willing to go to the cross to be trampled under the feet of men, you have exalted him to a seat of honor, that place which is above everything else, God, which one day every knee shall bow and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I thank you that he went before us, that he made his sacrifice and bore his cross so that when we grow weary and well-doing, we won't give up because he didn't give up. So God, tonight we walk through the gate. Father God, we walk through that sheep gate and ask that from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, you would wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ. God, that you would wash away every sin that just seems to take control of our lives. That you would transform us by the power of your blood, oh God. That you would break through addictions. That you would break through sickness. That you would break through fear and bondage and those things that hold us down, God. And that the blood of Jesus Christ would set us free tonight, oh God. Free from the past. Free from the present. Free from the fear of the future, God. The blood of Jesus Christ is that powerful. And we thank you for for it. And God, tonight we do offer ourselves to you a a living sacrifice. We ask that you would consume our flesh, God, so that the only thing left is the likeness of Jesus Christ in our life. God, help us to walk to that northeast corner of the city and walk through that sheep gate so that we can come into right relationship with you. Help us to take this word, God, into the soil of our soul. Let it bear fruit this week and fruit that will last. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. Amen. Are you thankful for the blood? Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.